0: listening to the animation addicts podcast with the rotoscopers episode 216 the rescuers down under jake the perfect australian name
1: to today's episode hey there animation addicts my name is chelsea robson and i'm morgan stradling and you are listening to the animation addicts podcast morgan i we you and i both live in arizona and i've seen some pretty crazy critters in my day how about you
0: oh yes rattlesnakes that's pretty common gila monsters
1: mm-hmm mm-hmm
0: not quite what they have in australia i will say like it seems like you turn your head and there's some sort of crazy thing over there down under
1: but we got our fair share i i agree i want to take this moment to salute all of our listeners down under for your dedication in living in a place full of creatures that want to kill you we
0: tip our hats to you <laughs>
1: <laughs> today we were talking about the rescuers down under Before we get started,
0: I want to mention our five-star review of the week. This one is from GXL Gamer and says, thank you, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. And they said, this is literally the best animation related podcast. Aw. Yeah. It's so much fun to hear and they don't sugarcoat their thoughts on the films they discuss, which is awesome. Thank you for making my day many times. Well, many times over. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. I love that too. Of course, you can leave us a review and we love your five-star ratings and reviews. It really does make our day and mean a lot to us.
1: Yeah, it's also, I mean, as you mentioned on one of our last ones, it's like everybody's got a podcast. It's true. And there's so <laughs> many, so many uh, that are uh, like, popping up every single day, but we have been recognized in the past as being in like the new and noteworthy or it, it would be really cool if, if we made that list again and one of the ways you can get us up there is to go and leave us a review so
0: that is my challenge to you if you've not left a review go and do it you yes you can leave you know a little blurb and that's how you get right on the show but even if you just go to your podcast app and you hit that five star button we would appreciate it so much let's all do it let's just inundate them with five star reviews and they're like huh we gotta we gotta promote this
1: again so we gotta do it again let's do it So Chelsea, are you ready to go down under? Insert really cool music here.
0: So before we get started, I want to give you some basic background info. You know the drill, this comes from all over the internet, Wikipedia, IMDb, and all other places that bonus material is found. So let's get started with the studio, obviously, Walt Disney Animation Studios. This was their first sequel that was done by Walt Disney Animation Studios for any of their properties. Obviously, there have been lots of different sequels that have been released under the Disney Toon banner, so they're not technically considered part of the Disney animation canon, but this was the first. Before sequels were a thing, before sequels were even cool, they did it in the 90s, right after The Little Mermaid. So the release date was november 16th 1990 which happened to be the exact same day that home alone was released which might account for the reason that the box office didn't do so well the original rescuers was a huge hit so much so like it it seems crazy because when we think of you know your favorite disney films at least for me i'm not thinking of the rescuers and i'm not thinking of like the biggest blockbusters for disney i don't think the rescuers but you got to set aside our modern day notion of what makes a blockbuster cuz back then the rescuers was such a hit it it just defied everything that they'd ever done. It was one of their top grossing films. So a sequel was like a no-brainer. So it ended up doing, I think, the original 169 million. This one only did forty seven point four million in the box office. A big part having to do with the fact that it did release at the same time as Home Alone. So those are both family friendly films. And so you're splitting, you know, are we gonna see this or this family? You know, you can only see one. Right but also it just didn't perform very well after that initial release that first week that Katzenberg decided to cut all advertising for the film which basically is a death sentence at that point and so you know from that point on no one like remembered that it was there it wasn't top of mind and hey everyone was talking about the new hotness home alone so pretty much a shame because this is a Disney renaissance film and I forget that even me an animation addict this is sandwiched in between The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and when i'm going through my list of disney films when i'm talking about the renaissance i'm not gonna lie i always forget this film
1: i would too yeah i mean i recognize that it it had so many important parts as far as animation goes it was the very first film to incorporate caps and that was their their new a way of animating that added depth that added a combination of computer animation plus the hand drawn animation and so you can even see little moments of that especially when it has all these different perspective views when they fly into to sydney and they fly through the opera house it's like super uh neutral but you know it's there you're you're doing these things and it, it's it's cool to see Yeah
0: CAPS stands for computer animation production system or CAPS and basically it was a way to produce a film digitally so you know you could still create a traditionally hand-drawn film using CAPS but on top of CAPS they they did add computer generated imagery CGI with the help of Pixar this was kind of the first in their little collaboration before Pixar ended up creating their its own feature-length film which Disney distributed but the different elements you know that the thing that always stood out to me is that opening scene with the flowers all of those you know Mm -hmm. that scene that is done digitally um mcleach's car um, and then like you said chelsea when they're flying in through sydney that is done uh with computer animation so really really cool this was the very first film done entirely in caps and the basically the the first film ever to be created 100 digitally you know so uh, if you're to be the first, you know, it's interesting this is the one because this isn't really what I think of when I would think of that. But it's really cool that, you know, we think, oh, the 90s was such a long time ago. You know, they, they were uh, Neanderthals back then. They had no technology, <laughs> but like there was a lot of technology happening. This was a big, big deal. You know, um, computers were not what they were today, but they were able to get the job done. <laughs> exactly. For directors, it was directed by Hendel Butoy and Mike Gabriel. Mike Gabriel has done quite a few things for Walt Disney Animation Studios. He also co-directed Pocahontas with Eric. Goldberg who we love and a variety of other things he did a short in 2004 which I believe is called Lorenzo which is super cool so you can find that on Disney plus or there's a uh, a DVD that has all the different Disney animated shorts where you can find that so he has continued to work for Disney animation for a variety of things as in the visual development arena but one another person who is notable that was involved in this is Joe Ramp. Mm. He was one of the ones involved with the screenplay. And Joe Ramp is very prolific screenwriter and story artist. You know he was um, and eventually moved to Pixar and helped a lot with the creation of Toy Story. So if you're looking at the Toy Story art book, Joe Ramp a lot of his drawings are in there. And he's just so talented and was just really, really great at story. And Joe Rampt actually died in a car accident in 2005, which is just so horrible and so sad. He was working on cars at the time and was co-directing it. It's just really sad to see someone's life be brought short, but. Grateful that we were able to see all these really amazing films, you know, as a result of him and his his story prowess. But let's talk about this film, The Rescuers Down Under. What are your first thoughts of this film? Did you have this one growing up?
1: I, yes, I did have this one. I watched it many a time. I I don't remember it being like a one that I loved, but it was definitely one that I watched a lot. Um, the music was super cool because it had this, you know, everything was about Australia. And then it's hard not to picture that first opening scene when it's like the music comes in and it just goes over all the flowers and it goes up to the mountain and then the title comes up. It's like, all right, we got an adventure coming on. Like, I just, I really enjoyed it as a kid.
0: So I did not have this one growing up. This was one of the films that... You know, someone else had I specifically remember my cousins had this one, and so of course you go over to your cousin's house or friends' house, and they have a movie you don't have, and it's a cool one, and so that's the one you always want to watch. So I always remember watching this at my cousin's house. I loved the opening scene with the flowers and the zoom in. I was always really captivated by how they were able to do that. And yeah, never had this one. So this one, you know, has like a fond place in my heart because of that nostalgia of like going and hanging out at someone's house and watching it, but Mm -hmm. this was not one. That we owned personally, which is a bummer. It's it's actually really good. Um, mm-hmm. You can see, obviously, we're talking about caps. The animation quality is different in the '70s. They were still using, you know, the Xerox method where they'd scan it in with Xerox, and uh, that has gone away. Now they're able to just do it digitally, which is, is awesome. And uh, yeah, I feel like the characters, you know, they're the same characters we know and love. They're just a little bit more polished.
1: Yeah, and also the fact that it is a a sequel. It just means that you don't have to spend your the whole, half the movie, even forty-five minutes of the movie, until you get to the to the like final chase scene or something. You kind of start mm-hmm. right away, and you don't have to develop Bianca or Bernard. You don't have to develop the Rescue Aid Society. We just they accept. Okay, you saw it. <laughs> Let's just move right in. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, we got this. One of the things that always stood out to me
0: is Marahute. This yes. rare golden eagle, who she actually isn't a real eagle. They kind of uh-huh. took and Frankensteined. Uh, Glenn Keane was the supervising, direct, supervising animator for Marahute. And, you know, they kind of Frankensteined a whole bunch of different eagles together, you know, reminiscent of eagles that are in Australia, but they just made her huge. I just remember seeing Marahute and absolutely being in love with this character and how beautiful and big she was.
1: Yeah. And expressive. Like, let's be real. This kid is on top of this Eagle (laughs) and he's not like a small kid. Like he's, if you think about the actual size of this thing, it was almost like dinosaur size like yeah. <laughs> it's huge and it gave me very unrealistic expectations of how big like an eagle was and i always just assumed like a bald eagle would be that type of like it's huge like that and i remember the first time seeing like even a video of a bald eagle after this i was like that must be a baby it's <laughs> there's no way that <laughs> it's that small <laughs>
0: yeah same i think i'm actually really disappointed when i discovered that this wasn't a real eagle there aren't (laughs) eagles that are basically airplanes um (laughs) such a bummer because they did such a good job of really this is like it's set in reality apart from the fact that animals can talk and travel around the world and all those things it's kind of set in reality um and so he's seeing that there's this beautiful eagle that doesn't exist is a bummer but it's very whimsical i love that opening scene with him riding on the eagle befriending marahute and one thing that i think is really good in this throughout is the music and the score Uh, the score was done by bruce broughton who he was a huge disney fan he speaking of home alone actually turned down home alone to score this movie because he was a huge disney fan and always wanted to work on disney which hey it all worked out but it it did did But just hearing the score I think he did such a great job because there's that motif there there's that light motif of kind of like it, the eagle music anytime that Marahute is around it's it has this theme that plays and you know when he goes back to the nest later they play it again and instantly because he's established this theme and like how amazing and joyous it is riding on the eagle at the very beginning um instantly those feelings are brought back when he's back at the nest you know seeing the, seeing her again or at least seeing the eggs and she's coming around so uh, yeah, I thought he did a great job on this soundtrack. I thought it's very, very memorable and you know, it combines, you know, different light motifs, um, as well as very down under elements, you know, aboriginal elements and like the drums. And, uh, I'm sure there was a didgeridoo in there at some point, but it felt that it just matched the location and what was happening.
1: Yeah. So there's this point in time where he leaves his house. His mom is like, it's early in the morning. He just sneaks out and is like the mom like, Hey, come get you, come get your breakfast. She's like, I got some sandwiches in my pack. And she's like, Okay, be home by supper. And I'm like, Oh gosh, uh-huh.
0: we live in a totally different world. Oh, I know. I thought the exact same thing. I was like, You're just, you, you wake up and you grab a sandwich and you you're, see it at supper. I mean, I, I understand you live in the middle of nowhere, but you also live in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by deadly animals that, like Chelsea said, want to constantly eat you.
1: <laughs> yeah. So he can speak to all the animals. Not, I never got that talent. So some people, I guess, do. <laughs> they all tend to be in Disney movies. Uh, but uh-huh. they, he knows how to speak to the animals. And then you have this this uh, kangaroo at this point, the very beginning. She's like, oh, Yes. There's another, uh, the great eagle, Marahute, she's caught up in a trapper's nest. Go up there and be careful, little friend. And I still quote that all the time. <laughs> 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 like, like, instead of just saying, be careful, I'm like, be careful, little friend. But yeah, I always also thought that that kangaroo was like the mate of the other kangaroo that McLeach had caught. Like, you meet later on while he's... Oh, uh, Yeah. And I always just assumed that they were supposed to be together. And, and he was the one, cause he, he killed the husband or the, he killed the, the father, the mate of Marahute. So it's like, obviously he's just going after, you know, all the males of each line. Like what's happening? What's McLeish doing? <laughs> Love it. So anyway, he goes up, he catches Marahute, Marahute, or unleashes her. And then she catches him. They go, they, she shows him her nest and then gives him that feather And anybody who has seen this, I dare you to ask them if they did not do the whole feather against the face thing, (laughs) like exactly how he does it. Like I totally did that. And like, you go up the, go up the stem and then you like go against (laughs) it. So dumb, (laughs) but you like mimic these things. (laughs) Yeah. These are memories that I have.
0: (laughs) So, an interesting thing with Cody, uh, Katzenberg strikes again. Initially, they wanted an Aboriginal child to be the main character, which makes uh-huh. sense. You are in Australia after all. And right. he was, he basically said, no, uh, according to Brett Chapman, he just wanted a little white, blonde haired boy. And so they cast the actor and then they made him look. Like he was just a little, little blondie, uh, which is fine. Cause he's, he's a fine character, you know, and Australia has a variety of people who live in Australia, but I think it just would have been much cooler and more interesting to have that representation there. Cause I have not seen any Aboriginal characters in animated films personally. Um, mm-hmm. but I just thought that was interesting to, that Oh, Katzenberg, you know, this, the new leadership came in, in the eighties, Eisner (laughs) did, you know, and then brought in Katzenberg and there were some really great things that happened. And other times it's like, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of like the movie business as well. Like old school movie business, like, nah, Mm -hmm. this is going to sell more tickets or let's do this or blah, 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 blah. You know, I feel like it was just a different world back then for sure.
1: Yeah. And I think it's more of like a a mindset of sell to the masses as opposed to like actually be true Mm -hmm. to a story. So, right, I mean, you have your <laughs> your mentalities it's like, all right, whatever i totally. I choose not to be offended, so move on, oh yeah, yeah,
0: we have to the story is what it is, move on and in you know be better and make a different movie next time, you know, yeah, so we go back to the rescue aid society. And in our last episode, we went in detail about this. How is it run? How are they communicating? But with this one, so they, they have this emergency meeting, right? Cause Cody, he gets trapped in the trap. They, the little mouse sends out a signal. And I really always liked the, you know, having it go around the globe. So first it hits the Marshall islands, which I know someone who lived in the Marshall islands for a few oh, years. Cool. So I think that was pretty cool. And then it hits Hawaii. And then, you know, it's hitting the United States and ends up back in New York. Then they hold this emergency meeting and everyone's already there. So mm-hmm. this goes to our, I didn't want to bring this up last episode because I'm like, hold it in, Morgan, hold it in it's for this episode. <laughs> and so uh, it doesn't seem, it seems like in this case that all of the delegates just permanently reside at, at least at this point in time in New York city, because before they were catching flights, they were arriving when their other delegates arrived and so forth. But this one, they were just all there and ready to go.
1: Is there like a session of you know they they come and they live during this time and then they go back let me ask
0: hey julie i it could be but you know conveniently for the plot
1: <laughs> when when the u n is in are do they have like a season that they're in or do they come in regularly okay yeah she said that they they do come in uh, in a, there is a season that they come in and they stay oh. and it's like in the fall or something so yeah but here's here's one thing that i was thinking at this point is are there Ever any other delegates that are sent out, or are they just? I assume
0: assume so, but I think just over time, because there's there's not just like one child missing a year, or, you know, (laughs) I imagine they get quite a few of these. But because of the movie and because of the plot, uh, <laughs> because of Bianca the plot. <laughs> and Bernard are the ones that must be called upon. They are the best. So this is a mission dedicated for them, uh, but they're not there. They're missing. This is sort of the Ariel, you know, when they're singing a song <laughs> and she's missing. <laughs> right, right, uh, right. They're not They're not necessarily mad that they're missing, but they're just not there. So where are they? And this was another scene growing up that I loved. I just loved the scene of them at the dinner, having the pea soup Uh and eating up in that chandelier. And so this is a little different. You know, we get a little bit more character arc with Bernard in this one. This is the classic Mm -hmm. Disney sequel of we're going to have a sequel. The characters got together in the first movie. In the second movie, what are they going to do? They're going to get engaged like Frozen 2. (laughs) Although this movie does it much better than Frozen Two, I must admit.
1: Yeah, I really liked how they played this whole gag. I mean, not a gag, but this—you know—it makes it a gag every time that because he's he's foiled every single time, and then when they finally mm-hmm. get to Australia, there's a handsome other guy that you gotta be able to oh, outdo. Perfect.
0: <laughs> yeah, because he has all these obstacles that he has to overcome, and the main one is I need to propose to her, but I'm such a little timid guy; it's hard to do. And then, of course, oh crap! There's a an Australian heartthrob, thunder from down under,
1: who is, <laughs> who's gonna t- take my girl away. <laughs> I mean, as far as you know, within the mouse kingdom, I would say that Jack is kind of that heartthrob guy. Like he's got oh, his sure. accent is fabulous he's got the the stance the swagger i mean he's got a, he's got a lot going for him so i can definitely see how bernard who's you know just a normal house mouse he's he's actually a hopping
0: mouse which there are about 10 different Varieties in Australia they're rodents just like normal mice they're not marsupials which are very common in Australia but they're they're a little bit different. Um, clearly hopping around is a big thing in Australia so it's a hopping mouse which makes sense because he and he shows that a little bit in his design as well but mm-hmm. Jake and I don't know why Jake is a perfect name for him, but I just always loved that his name was named
1: Jake it is a perfect australian name
0: <laughs> right like i don't know what it is about i can't put my thumb on it but it's it's perfect <laughs> especially out of the 90s come on now <laughs> is it's like, jake an australian name let's see i mean it's it comes from jacob which is definitely not but uh
1: no it's just a name but it works <laughs> ever so well so at this point we do meet a new character which i'm i am really glad that they put john candy in this movie because he is a very good character and they kept him in like in the last one they had orville and orville was just kind of like there for the first little bit and then he's gone but this one wilbur is just he's a standard character and a funny guy and comic relief throughout so it's like yes keep junk candy in yeah
0: you know what's really funny is that i don't think i recognized that he was a different bird, like a different person. (laughs) Oh, really? I knew knew that they say like, oh, under new management, but they look so similar, Wilbur and Orville, which their names are meant to be a play off of the Wright brothers, Orville Wright and Wilbur Wright. Um, So that's that's cool because they fly and whatnot. But... Yeah. Um, the, the original voice actor for Orville, he died. Uh, so again, in Disney fashion, they don't want to recast these characters. So they instead just found a brother. Um, but yeah, I was today days old when I realized that, uh, yeah, it's a different, it's a different bird. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So, but yeah, John Candy is really good. He's funny. Um, he's much more over the top than Orville is. And mm-hmm. like you said, he, he lingers. He, he has a purpose in a way, <laughs> um, to keep him a little bit rele- more relevant rather than like, I'm in, I'm out. I basically
1: was a plot device to get you from point A to point B. Bye. Right. And even though he's not really used in the plot later on, he does have a good payoff as far as his position. Like in the ending, he's the one that's left to kind of tend these eggs that may or may not hatch. And he's just like, oh, you look so cute and ow. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So it's a good payoff. Like they, they do a good job of reintroducing him as somebody that you're kind of just watching his story, even though it doesn't really interact with the other story, but they purposely mm-hmm. take him offside and say, you're just going to have your own story happening. You're going <laughs> to, you know, throw out your back. And now you have to go and, uh, this mouse hospital in the middle of, uh, nowhere. That's like so funny.
0: Yeah. That surgery scene was always like slightly a little bit terrifying.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> I was never scared of it, but it was like, wow, what is, what, what's going on here? This uh, shady, you know, garage alley surgery center. Basically, in the middle of nowhere, just in a
1: in an old, rundown medic van, and then all the nurses are like nuns, I guess, or something. Yes, I don't know. Like, the whole thing is just like, what is happening? Yeah, that's oh, your mini man.
0: horror movie within the movie.
1: It really is, and I'm like, I'm a fan of informed consent, and I just I can't get behind what you're doing, dude. Right, <laughs> <is> right, <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then he's trying to get out, and they're tr- like, "Your, your spy needs tender." loving care <laughs> and like pops about out and it's like pops back into place. Like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> it was a good gag. I, I appreciated the gag.
0: <laughs> yeah. The movie actually moves along pretty quickly and we see how amazing Jake is at all things. Of course he's in his element. This is literally what he does, you know? So he's able to mm-hmm. tame the snake and, you know, get them where they need to go. And he joins along on their adventure. Um, but my question, as I was watching this, you know, they have to call to the aid of the rescue aid society to save this little boy. And then they have to fly someone from the Rescue Aid Society back out to save the day. But I'm like, there's a lot of people who are going through great lengths to call and to send the message. Why don't you guys just form this in your own... like? Instead of having a delegate, why don't you just band together and save the boy? <laughs> Jake was very capable. Maybe that little mouse could have done something at the very beginning. Well, um, and they all knew. He's like, oh yeah, they, they all. It was like no question, no surprise that he'd been kidnapped. Like, Waiting for the ants to come if you just Do your
1: job. Come barreled on now. down there. I'm sure he would freak out. <laughs> infestation, <laughs> mice. You'd be able to save the day right away. Yeah, I thought the same thing this time when I was thinking. I was like, wait. If everybody knows what's happening, why aren't they all doing this themselves? I just they're just right. waiting for <laughs> something else. There's that moment where they are flying on the glider monkey thing, mm-hmm. and and he's like, "Hold on, Miss Bianca, we got you right here." And he like does the exact same hand move that Bernard did, like in the first one of like putting his arm around her, and you can see her him in the background, like Jake. That's my move. <laughs> <laughs> It was very
0: cool to see all the different types of Australian animals. That was one of the things that really stood out to me as a kid was just, you know, the lizard, Frank, we don't have those here or, you know, just the kangaroo, the koala, um, the different snakes, just all, you know, Marahute obviously, which, you know, childhood dreams shattered (laughs) that it's not a real animal. (laughs) Um, it just was, was cool to see all of that and kind of be introduced to this new world. That was great.
1: I have a question for you. Yeah. In in an upcoming nerdy couch discussion, we are going to be doing best animal sidekicks. And I want to know, do you think Joanna makes that list? She, or, she's definitely in consideration.
0: Okay. Uh, I think so. Right. Um, you know, even with our last movie, Bruno and Nero. Nero. Is it Brutus and Nero? Yes. Brutus Nero. Yep. I okay. I think so. Joanna actually plays quite a a big role. Uh Uh-huh. McLeach is not nice to Joanna and doesn't treat her well at all. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, she has a job to do and she gets the job done. You know, so Mm -hmm. she's basically there to rid out pests, to go find things. Um, You know, he does reward her every once in a while, but she has her own little quirks and idiosyncrasies. She's always looking for food, eggs are a big deal to her mm-hmm. uh, so yeah i liked her i thought she was you know she's actually kind of men- menacing um, she does the job like she's constantly catching things and like putting you back in your cage and you know mm-hmm. giving a little shimmy as she goes
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so let's talk about mcleach as a villain okay like the first rescuers so you're looking at like him compared to medusa which one do you think is higher up on the villains list as oh is this goes? even a
0: question medusa of course i was thinking about this you know medusa she just she's really terrifying in in all sorts of ways she's completely selfish um self-interested and obviously that's any villain but i feel like i really feel it from her and mcleach yeah he's a poacher he kidnaps a kid and then ultimately has no remorse where he's just gonna straight up murder him yeah Mm -hmm. that's super messed up like the thing is at the very beginning like he gives him the out you know he's he's not interested Mm-hmm. in keeping the kid at all but once Cody indicates that he knows where Marahute is which obviously is this big prize eagle that he's mm-hmm. been going for then he's very selfish and he keeps Cody for himself um, he also you know,
1: implicates and, him as a poacher and doing all these things that are yes yeah so, it, so all of it's these like- things yeah that's the thing
0: with Cody is like Cody won't let it go if Cody were smart he wouldn't keep saying that because there's a moment where he's like oh no no it's just Joanna this is just a, just a hole like no right.
1: you're a poacher <laughs> Torture. it's like right
0: kid cut it cut it out just get out of there just uh, say yeah no, you're Kobe... right that's a
1: credibly oh digging... it
0: was just a big <laughs> hole thanks but, uh, right, he's, a, he's, a, he's an environmentalist he does not want that
1: he's he stands up for the for the critters well i mean there's a smarter way to do that <laughs> than getting yourself into a very precarious situation mm. like yes but he was He is eight. (laughs) Yeah, he is super young. Yeah, so I think based on that, like it was never his intention to take the kid and use the kid. It just happened to go along with the incentives that he was looking for. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Yeah. definitely Medusa is going to be the more evil of the two. Because she was just like, I'm going to take this orphan because I know that it's an orphan. She's an orphan. Mm -hmm. No one's really Mm -hmm. going to be looking for her. And I'm also going to and use her for my own benefit, and I don't care what happens to her later. Yes. So yeah. yeah, disgusting.
0: Really, really disgusting. But McLeach, would he rank on your top ten villains
1: list? No. Yeah. I mean, he's still he's still up there as far as what he was willing to do. There's the the point where he's like shoot, trying to shoot the the rope down, which is really if you know anything about how shotguns work like that's not gonna work oh, at all gosh.
0: i know i saw that and i was like um no <laughs> like, that's,
1: it's not gonna be a thing <laughs> oh and he says
0: i gotta take this he basically says something like i gotta take control of this myself or something uh uh-huh. um, and i was like I thought two I was just ways to skin shoot a cat him. or something yeah i thought i was just gonna what? shoot him and take care of it right there but
1: nope <laughs> we're gonna get the rope <laughs> It's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> but McCleach takes Cody, puts him in this cage with other caged animals that he's apparently going to be selling. I don't, maybe he's selling them to like black market zoos or you know, on the black market to sell, I don't know what happens. But is there really that much of a market, of a black market? Because I feel like you would be much better off creating a photo safari of all of these critters. It's kind of self-defeating to have that as a business because you can make way more money creating something that is a residual thing. Like people can come back every year, however many times, to see these old animals that they remember seeing before. Oh, yeah. The whole fact that he could have just like created an outlook to look upon marahute's nest you know and be like okay everybody take pictures (laughs) like you could have made a whole lot more money and much more soundly like i just come on people long-term thinking more money (laughs) right but he's Skilled at being a
0: poacher, not a businessman. That is why, <laughs> and also he's very short ter- for short term thinking. Even I mean, I, you're thinking high level. You're thinking big <laughs> leagues. Like we're gonna we're gonna monetize this. We're gonna continue to make money off this eagle while the eagle's alive. Great, um, but even that, if this is such a prized possession, there are three eggs up there. Why don't you just wait a little longer for the eggs to hatch, for them to yeah. grow up a little bit, um, where they're no longer in need of the mom and as soon as they're able to f- fly to the nest and you know satisfy and live on their own then kill the mom and then you got three more coming up uh, probably in a year or two will be ready to go uh, i know this is an absolutely horrible way to think of it but i that's <laughs> what i thought i was like you're not very smart you which that is a very that's like, like a poacher mindset is a very short term yeah. thinking is like the animal is here now i don't literally do not care about life at yeah. all it
1: needs to end so i can make a right. buck Yeah, those are different things. Like, going back also to our last one, it's like, he thinks that he's going to be rich by catching her and Mm -hmm. selling her or killing her. I don't know why or, like, where his buyer? I don't know. Um, But he thinks he's going to be rich doing that. But it's like, once again, you're getting up there in these very noticeable you know, crimes. <laughs> and so if you're going to be that high and that noticed, you might as well just make it a legitimate business and everybody wins and you're not killing off, you know, ancient creatures that kind of related to dinosaurs or should be dinosaurs. Cause that thing is huge. Yeah. <laughs> I do like that. He says, I didn't make it all the way through the third grade for nothing. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> we're painting the picture even more about who this guy
0: <laughs> is. <laughs> not the smartest bulb. Or not, sorry, not the smartest bulb, but not, not the brightest bulb.
1: Not the brightest bulb, no. A really great bit of Disney trivia is what is his full name? Percival, is it J. McLeach?
0: Percival C. McLeach. M- C. Ah, oh, darn it. The only <laughs> reason I knew the Percival is because he's shouting, isn't he shouting his name at the end? Yeah. Um, he, and I was like, Percival, I... huh. That's a, <laughs> you know, that's also um, one of the Weasley names. Oh, yeah. Percy. Percy. so another thing about bernard i mean we get a lot more about bernard in this film and he there's a big period of time where he is separated from bianca Mm -hmm. and that's where we see a lot of his growth you know he's very much characterized as being a very timid character very superstitious not necessarily in control of his life he's letting these other things control him like the superstitions for example and in this movie he's still very timid and he's not so bold in being able to propose to bianca but they get separated and then he really has to step up you know he sees this threat with jake who potentially could be taking his girl which i never believed that was going to be i mean well it it does imply that jake is into bianca you know because she's beautiful and she has that swagger like every man in every man mouse (laughs) in this (laughs) world seems to be But so he, he sees the threat there and he realizes that he needs to step up and he does that in multiple levels, you know, especially when he's on his own and he's separated and he gets the I I want to call it a warthog. What was it? It was a, a razorback and grabs him, you know, by the tusks and throws him down and gets him to do what he wants. You know, he's very much copying what Jake does in that moment. And then, uh, when Cody falls into the water, he jumps in, no thoughts, just jumps in And suddenly gets this Hulk or Ant-Man level strength because he's able to (laughs) pull Cody out from the bottom with just the rope, then tie the rope against the raging river, tie it so he doesn't go away. I'm like, wow, sign me up for that. Whatever you're drinking, I want a part of it. Maybe it's some (laughs) of that uh, homemade brew from the first movie. (laughs) He got the recipe for the moonshine. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) the moonshine. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, we see all these things time and time again that he is just being a hero and that he's really stepped up and he's taking control. And I, I really liked that because it makes the payoff at the very end when he does say like, okay, like we finally have a moment. I just need to do this. And that's it's kind of what Kristoff does in Frozen 2. He was trying to make the the a big deal. Well, no, they're a little different because in Frozen 2... Christoph was trying to make a big deal about the proposal and make it this big event. Um, where in this one, he's just trying to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily matter that it's a big event. So like, I need to just get the courage to do it without the ring butterfingering out of my fingers. Uh-huh. So yeah. Yeah. So I just, I just thought that was great. Like I really like seeing him grow. Cause it could be so easy just to, you know, keep him as is for the most part. Bianca doesn't grow. This mm-hmm. isn't her story so much. Like she's the same character from the beginning as the end. Uh, Whereas Bernard is not the case.
1: Yeah. And there's even a moment when she is telling Cody, oh, it's okay. You know, Bernard is out there and he's going to come save us. And then Jake's like, yeah, we're going to leave it up to old Bruno. He'll get us here. And he's like, oh, nice, nice cover, Bianca. As though it's like, yeah, you know, way to prop up his spirit somehow. And she's like, no, it's, you don't know him like I do. Like he's, he's good. And I liked mm-hmm. also seeing Jake's respect for him level up in the fact that he was the one that came in and saved the day. So, yeah, yes. I like how they they gave him a heroic change and arc because he was the one that needed it, I think, the most. In reality, you wouldn't be able to respect them as a couple because she is so much more courageous innately than he is. And I think you did need to see him kind of level up in order to be so that everybody can see that they are kind of equal partners in whatever they're doing. Yeah. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. This was a fun romp down under, you know, I think the best parts of the film are when we see Marahute McLean's just a villain. He's okay. He's just mm-hmm. like, he's bad. He's a bad guy, but he's just not super memorable. You know mm-hmm. what I'm thinking about? Villains and cody is okay as well um he's really cute but this isn't really as much cody's story Mm -hmm. compared to penny you know if we're gonna have to choose like which of the villains would you take medusa would you take mcleach i would take medusa would you take cody or would you take penny i would take penny i feel like i know penny more and she does more Mm -hmm. and she's you know has more of a backstory um so i would choose her and then you know orville or wilbur and i would definitely (laughs) choose wilbur so that's good you know that's one thing that they improved for sure in this one but yeah i i thought this was great it was really enjoyable to go back and watch this i was never bored while doing it so i think i'm just gonna go straight into my my review but i am going to give this one three and a half stars i gave the other one four stars and this one is good and enjoyable and obviously has a lot of nostalgia from you know going and watching it at someone's house but i can see now why it is kind of a forgotten gem of the renaissance mm-hmm. but it's not a big gem like a devil's eye big it's one of those little little <laughs> ones over there you know that Medusa <laughs> <Right>. doesn't want <laughs>
1: Get it, okay. I I'm actually going to slightly disagree. and I think that this was one of those rare sequels that I, I felt was better than the original. but wow, mostly okay. mostly because I felt like the timing was a lot and the pacing was a lot better suited for for screen. And suited for your attention span. And it just was a fun adventure. The whole soundtrack included that. Every one of the aspects just kind of felt like it leveled up just a little bit. I do agree that if you're comparing the villain, if you're comparing the the main kid... Um, the original does have more memorable villains and rescuee. Um, but I also like how they did give Bernard a more of an arc and it wasn't really, there was no growth or arc in the other one, other than this was just a cool adventure that we went on. So those considered, I still give this one four stars equal to the last one, but Mm -hmm. I do say if I were to rank them next to each other, I would put this one slightly higher that might also be because of nostalgia too because i ended up watching this one many more times than i did the first one interesting that's in there but yeah so four stars
0: awesome Let us know what you think. Go to rotoscopers.com slash 216 to give us your reviews. And also you can check us out on Instagram and find the post for the rescuers down under. And let us know your thoughts right there. Do you like the original or do you like this one better? Sound off in the comments.
1: All right, everybody. Our next episode is where we will be discussing on the nerdy couch, the best Disney Pixar buddy films. And I'm pretty excited about this one. It's going to be a fun one get ready baby
0: and also we're getting ready to do our monthly patron call-in show called the rotocast we do this every single month for the patrons of the podcast and i want to give a big huge shout out to all of our patrons you are so amazing and you keep the show up and running you're the reason why we're able to do this weekly we're able to have fun nerdy couch discussions and review all these amazing movies so another big shout out to the patrons there's tons of cool perks that you get as being a patron you get ad-free episodes that are released one day early you get access Access to our episode recording document to see all the behind the scenes about how we record the podcast. We do bonus episodes. We have a whole bunch of other really cool patron perks, including our Facebook community where we have lots of fun discussions. So it's a really great way to join the community. So if you want to join the community and be part of Rotonation, go to Rotoscopers.com slash patron. And again, a big thank you to everyone, past and present, who has supported the show. We love you and thank you so much. That's all that we have for today, and until next time, we are the Rotoscopers. You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast, episode 216. The Rescuers Down... Is it The Rescuers Down Under, or is it just Rescuers Down Under? The Rescuers Down Under. Oh, Which, I didn't even tell you, bonus fun fact... The Rescuers Down Under, you know, it was such a big, popular thing. They actually were going to turn it into a TV series with Bernard and Bianca, uh, you know, going and saving the day. And, and they ended up changing it. And that's how um, Chippendale's Rescue Rangers was formed and ended up to come to life. Yeah. They just kind of swapped out the characters, but it was more or less the same thing. What? <laughs> How about the rescuers making child kidnapping fun? (laughs) Um, Very cool to see all the different animals that they have in Australia. I think that's one thing that always was really interesting as a as a kid. As a what? As a what? Yeah. I okay. Start over.